the fundamental essence of yoga, if I can speak really broadly, is that you are whole. Mm. You are whole. Your essence, your nature, yourself is complete. And that wholeness is described as infinite love. Your wholeness is whole. My wholeness is whole. My essence, your essence, our children's essence, our neighbor's essence, it's whole. And the practice of yoga is about peeling away the layers that separate us from knowing ourselves in that way. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabhi Veach, physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as the Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mom Strength. This is your host, Surabhi Veach, and I'm really excited to have on Arthi Inamdar today. Arthi and I connected online when I took one of her yoga classes uh, this January, I think. I'm like thinking, what? This is a June 2023. I don't know when this um, episode will come out, probably sometime this summer, but Arthi and I have been connecting since, and I feel so in alignment with her. Um, the way she teaches, her spirit, her energy, and um, the messaging that she has. So I'm going to do an official intro and then welcome her on. So Arthi is a student and teacher of classical Hatha yoga, trained by her elders and lineage teachers. Arthi shares the teachings of yoga, sacred ancestral wisdom traditions, and has been a guide and coach for over 15 years. She lives the teachings of yoga and enjoys sharing yoga as a way of life with her students. She teaches online yoga, meditation, and philosophy classes and courses. She runs corporate wellness sessions and retreats and mentors individuals one-on-one to support them in their healing, wellness, and health journeys. Her goals are to facilitate authentic well-being, mobility, and focus in her students using the tools that yoga provides. Arthi, I'm so grateful to have you on here today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank so, you so much for having me, and thank you for that warm welcome. Um, you are so welcome. So before we hit record, just for the audience who's listening, we actually had a really great conversation about parenting and yoga and how nothing prepares you from parenthood, motherhood, and you are just dealing with situations as they come. And even if someone was to warn you about it, you don't really get it until you're in it. And yoga is one of those, I don't even like to call it a tool, but it's a practice that you're practicing throughout your day, throughout your life. And that is a great way to help you navigate some of the challenges of motherhood as well. So can you talk to me about how yoga is a way of life versus, you know, a bunch of yeah. poses that we do? <laughs> a bunch of, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And that was really well said. We don't know what each day will bring us when you wake up in the morning as a parent, you don't know. I mean, what's going to happen today? Is someone going to be sick? Is someone going to be upset? Is that you just have no idea and you have to be open and ready and aware. And I think that's how yoga can be very helpful in that journey. You know, it puts you in this place of openness and readiness 
and willingness to take on difficulty and step into spaces that are uncomfortable and live in discomfort because it's through that discomfort that we stretch and grow. Yes. And the practices of yoga really prepare us for that journey. Now, that doesn't mean we're doing asana all day long. <laughs> we just yoga, stretch our way through difficult situations, right? <laughs> like, oh my God, my child is sick. I got to do something. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's that yoga is a way of life. It's not a thing you do. It's, it's a way you live. It's who you are. And, and when we think about the way yoga has been presented here in the West, uh, you know, that's been a it's been all kind of mixed up and jumbled up. Like if you go to Google and do an image search and you say, what is yoga? You'll see a bunch of pictures of people who all kind of look similar and doing similar things. They're young, they're fit, they're very skinny, they're highly flexible or mobile, they're able-bodied, they're usually white, they seem to have some degree of affluence, they're wearing certain clothes. And then yes. that's what we all think is yoga. Yes. And me too, because it's not, it's an, it's everywhere. Like that's what we all think is yoga. Even though I was raised in the, these traditions, that's same, we, right? Same, right. Like I grew up in my home and it was never, for those of you listening, you're like, what is it like growing up with yoga in your, your home? It's not like we're like, Oh, 6 PM yoga practice. It's more, <laughs> you know, it's like literally just the way of being right. The the practices that we have all tie in together really well. So it's not like it's announced and labeled, oh, we're doing now vinyasa yoga. We're doing, no, it's not so contrived. It's just woven into it. You know, I always use the example of like, if you're Italian and, you know, making meatballs or making pasta from scratch is like a family tradition. It's not so much like there's a time of day and like it's once a week, like a class, it's just part of your upbringing, right? Part of, and yes, nobody can, nobody can kind of take that away from you just because you don't have a certificate in meatball making or spaghetti making. Nobody can say you're less Italian for it. That's absolutely right. It's just, it's, it's in the water that we drink. It's in the air we yes. breathe. It flows through our veins. It's in, it's, it's a subtle energy. It's sunscar. It's something that gets passed on. It's something we observe. This is why I don't teach my kids so-called yoga. I don't, give them any yoga classes. They don't, and by yoga, I mean asana classes. I don't sit with them and say, right leg, left leg. Like we don't do that. Um, they watch me practice. Yes. They watch me cook. They watch me recite mantras. They watch me at my altar. They join me. We celebrate Navratri and Diwali. I'll teach them through story. Mm. I'll read texts with them. I teach them mantra and pronunciation but I'm giving them yogic wisdom and yogic knowledge and I'm teaching them whatever I know, but it's not a class. Yeah. It's just our life. It's so much more than a class too. Right. So, and this is where we cannot reduce the entire um, practice of yoga to a class or one series of training. It's an ongoing effort to live it and breathe it. And I feel like there's so many days that there's just, so much more to learn and grow and like be a forever student, right. in in this, in this aspect, because there's no, there's no end goal. There's no end, perf you know, perfection. Whereas I find when yoga is all about asana and the postures and, and the poses, 
people are like, oh, I achieved this position, you know, check mark. I am an advanced yogi, right? Just because you're more flexible or, or acrobatic does not embody yoga, right? That does, it, it doesn't, it doesn't match each other. Can you tell me about how you accommodate people with varying abilities and bodies and sizes in yoga? Because mm-hmm. so much of yoga, like you said, you know, we see thin, able-bodied, young, affluent, usually white, you know, folks on images and even on classes and website and platforms. So that excludes people of the global majority. It excludes most people in the world, right? Who don't have that body type, shape, youth, and skin tight clothing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. That is, that is a, it's so important to try to structure our classes in a way that's welcoming and inclusive. Um, there are a few things that I do and I'm still a student. So I'm learning as I go. One of the ways that I've learned from some of the great leaders in this field of accessibility and inclusivity in yoga is not to mention poses as hierarchical. Like you don't mention any kind of hierarchy in, in postures. Like if you're better then you do this. If you're not as good, then you do this. Mm. If you're new, do this. If you're seasoned, do this. It's more like the way you present it. Like, okay, if you, if you, if this option feels like a good mm. option for you, choose this option. But if that right. feeling right, choose another one. And then nobody knows what's the more uh, advanced or advanced. challenging. So, yes. Yeah, you challenge yourself, and we should be challenging ourselves, and we should yes. be shifting. Yoga is this beautiful balance between pushing and striving with a little bit of discomfort and soft, easeful gentleness. It's that middle ground, that little bit of tension between the two, those two ends yoga is what's in the middle. And that is a highly personal experience. That's not going to be the same for you and for me. So it's my job to watch and to partner with my student, which is why my classes are always intimate because Mm. I believe it's very important to partner with a student, even especially in these online spaces where you can't always see someone's doing some posture and their half of their body is off camera. <laughs> yes. I need to partner with them. I need to talk to them. I need to have open communication and dialogue. Tell me what's going on. Sometimes folks feel shy. They don't yes. want to talk about it in class. They don't want to share it openly. So I have to put myself in a position of being a very good listener and yes. hold space for students to come to me with anything that's present for them, anything that they want to know that's impacting their life and their practice so that I can partner with them to create a practice that's very personal. And so, so one way is, is, is that open communication. Another way is through not saying something is better than something else. A third way that I do it is, um, has been through my experience. I've lost my own body. for <laughs> More than once, at least twice, uh, once when I was pregnant and which was a real eye opener because I had thought that I could do everything when I, once I became pregnant and my body said, absolutely not. And I had a severe injury that left me 100% immobile. Um, and, and then when I had a broken bone, that was broken kneecap, it was shattered and I couldn't move at all. So through those experiences, Mm. I was 
able to learn. I never lost my practice, particularly when I broke my bone. I didn't lose my practice. Why? Because I knew that yoga could be shifted for any phase and stage of life. I could adapt everything. And I had a sense of, because of my teachers and my elders, I had a sense of knowing that yoga is a is a vast, vast, vast project. And asana is like one teeny tiny drop in the ocean. And if asana goes away, my yoga still lives on. Mm, Yes, I love that. And I think that is more liberating and empowering than feeling like, oh, I can't do yoga anymore because I'm injured. You can still do yoga and maybe your priorities shift. And even when I joined your class, I had an unexpected like three weeks of coughing and I had a broken rib that was Mm -hmm. healing. And it was about, I don't know, five weeks. It's still really painful, but you know, being a physio and I'm like, all right, it's all good. I've had injuries before I can still, you know, I knew I would be able to still perform anything that I could and then choose a different option or take a rest when I couldn't do a pose. And I had that confidence going into your class because I have my background, but the average person listening might say, I'm too injured to do yoga. I'm not flexible enough to do yoga. I, I'm not strong enough. Um, I, you know, my, my physio told me not to stretch, so I can't do yoga. And you're like, yoga isn't about stretching. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just about flexibility. It's about, like you said, that balance between softening and ease and also pushing and growing in that discomfort. And I love that you put it that way. And, you know, the other thing is understanding that there's a reason yoga is more than just asana. Mm-hmm. You know, when people ask, is yoga about getting a workout? So what would you say to that? Is, is yoga about the fitness and the physical aspect? Well, I would love to answer that question. The, the physical the physical aspect is a part of yoga and it does bring folks in. It is a part of yoga, but I want to backtrack a little bit to what you wisely said earlier, if I may, before I answer this question, because they have an injury. So that's where it's important to have a good teacher and a good environment where you feel safe enough to speak to someone about your concerns. And if a, a person comes forward and says, you know, I have this rib injury, I'm just using you as an example, not that this was a conversation we had, but I have this rib injury and I am on, I'm afraid to do some of these things. We would have a conversation about it and we would discuss some options. But before we even did that, let's talk about the wisdom that's coming forward in your body right now, having this rib injury. What is, what is this Mm. rib injury showing you? Is there something that's coming forward that's quite helpful to you? And this is a kind of that unshaming piece that I learned from one of my mentors, David Bedrick, about maybe it's okay that you have a rib injury. Maybe there's some wisdom there. Maybe there's something that's coming forward. Maybe you're a busy, overworked mom and you're running at a mile a minute and you're always out of breath because you're constantly running. And so maybe, and I'm just, this is not our conversation, but this is something because I've done this so many times within myself and with my clients, maybe part of your body's like, I just need to stop for a second. And I actually think that in many cases of these chronic colds and that take, you know, a cold should take a few days to get better, but when things are lingering on, it's we're in our society are so um, ready to just accept it. Oh yeah. It's just, it just takes that long. Okay. But why? Right. And so for me, it was a, it was like, I had known I was pushing it last fall and then I got sick and I got sick for a long time. And I was like, yep, I knew this was going to happen and it happened. And so it actually was really 
even in this discussion, it was really nice because it forced me to slow down. And I have come into 2023 with a different energy where I am centering pleasure and joy in everything that I do rather than just going, going, going without even stopping to pause and reflect and say, what, what am I doing this for? Am I happy here? Am I growing here? Or is this actually limiting me? And so I do think that when we look at injuries as more than just physical, because even, even though your symptoms might be majority physical, your brain, your emotions, your mind, your soul is responding to that too. And so we can't, we can't be just like divorce spirituality and, you know, emotions from the physicality of any pain, any injury, even for your pubic symphysis injury during pregnancy. Pregnancy is a very emotional time. Your brain, everything, your body's changing so much. So when we have pain during pregnancy, and this is something I talk to my pregnant and postpartum people, we have to talk about the stress management aspect the lifestyle aspect of it too, because all of that influences and impacts pain. And so I remember actually, we talked about it. We had a, we had a one-to-one session where we talked about my ribs and you asked me like, is this okay? And I really appreciated that. Even though I'm a healthcare practitioner, you still want to be, when you're in a class, feel like you're being supported. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that you held that space where I could ask openly and not feel like, Oh, is she going to judge me because I'm a physio and I can't do these poses, right? We, we, we put that shame on ourselves. And I, I think you hold a beautiful open space for that. Well, thank you. That's very sweet. That's actually the piece that I love the most is in, in forging those relationships. And that's the part that I think is the most sacred to me um, mm. because the Guru Shishya relationship uh, in the lineage tradition that I have studied under uh, hails that relationship and that bond as truly sacred and necessary. So I take that responsibility very seriously. And I care deeply for my students. Um, and I, I really do want them to be whole and feel supported and loved in that space. And the, and to your point about people feeling sort of shame or guilt, it, it's the yoga world that we live in here in the West makes us believe yes. that we have to have a certain look, shape, and ability to even step into a yoga class. This is a norm that I have been fighting against for the 15 plus years that I've been a teacher and the however many years as a student. You don't need to be flexible to do yoga. That's like saying, you know, you need to learn a, how to ride a bike before you learn how to ride a bike. <laughs> it's a so side true. Side effect. Yeah. Flexibility is a side effect. Health and fitness is a side effect. The purpose of yoga is mostly for the mind and for mm. the spirit. It is a heart, mind, body, soul practice. And the asana or the postural part is one teeny tiny drop in an ocean of practices and ways of being and knowing. And we need to draw, take a little bit of emphasis off of the asana and bring forward some of the other more, very gorgeous pieces of the practice that are so necessary for us in, in these times and in, in really in all times. <laughs> I mean, that's it, right? Like I, I love this actually, cause this is a great segue into how yoga and parenting can support how yoga can support your parenting. Because, um, by default, I was a very, uh, stressed, anxious type, a personality overworker, hard worker, 
you know, coming into parenting. And then you have a child and you're like, oh, wait, I can't just hard work my way out of this. I can't just work hard and then my child will be quote unquote better behaved or be fitting in better or learn more. You know, it has nothing to do with you and how hard you push. And actually parenting is not about pushing. It's about that softening, right? Mm -hmm. And going back to kind of the, the language that you used about that balance. So can you talk about how your experience in yoga actually influences your parenting or supports your parenting? Well, it's definitely a work in progress, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is always the case, right? I, I often tell my kids, I'm learning how to be a mom through you. So you yes. can reflect any feedback to me and teach me how I need to do, uh, how I can do better. They are my teachers and they are my elders in many ways. Because I just I'm had a... That's like a light bulb moment. Can you just say that again? Like, I've never thought about it that way. Wow. So your kids are teaching you how to be a mom because without them, you wouldn't be a mom. No, they're wow. my elders. Wow. Not <laughs> like gave me goosebumps. Like, I think if you're listening to this, I think that is such a powerful way to um, look at your children and give them the respect that they deserve as human beings, just because yeah. they're tiny and younger than you does not mean that they are any less deserving of time, space, energy, love, affection, and respect. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, babies, little ones, they're closer to wholeness than we are. I, I feel that. And I'm like, you are more complete than I am because <laughs> you know, because the thing is the society, right? Teaches us to say, oh, you're too emotional. Push that aside. Oh, you're too clingy. You're too needy. You're too loud. You're too whatever. You're too not smart enough. Push all that aside. And so you start to just take away pieces of you as you get older. And now I feel like in my late thirties, I'm like, oh, I need to come back to who I was and like feel whole again. And that's, and that's something my kids yoga. don't. And that's yoga. Yeah, That is yoga. This is the thing. This is how yoga is different in its approach to maybe what we're used to. The fundamental essence of yoga, if I can speak really broadly, is that you are whole. Mm. You are whole. Your essence, your nature, yourself is complete. And that wholeness is described as infinite love. Your wholeness is whole. My wholeness is whole. My essence, your essence, our children's essence, our neighbor's essence, it's whole. And the practice of yoga is about peeling away the layers that separate us from knowing ourselves in that way. Wow. Anytime we feel bliss, anytime we feel joy, look at a baby. How can you be with a baby <laughs> and not smile? <laughs> it's not possible. It's They're not so possible. The, that bubbling kind of like happiness and that joy and that like there that is a connection to that whole space that blue and there even their eyes I was at the passport office the other day and I totally got emotional because there was this there's like three babies and one was seven weeks old like super fresh and one was probably a few months old and I locked eyes with her and I was like wow I feel seen like these the baby's eyes are so real yes. Oh, and really? honest mm -hmm. and they just see you as you without they love you. you they love you they're not seeing you with all the social expectations of oh this oh, is a woman she must be yada yada you know they're just looking at yes, you, and, you. Seeing. and I think that 
that can be an intimidating thing, intimidating thing for some people. But my daughter, especially when she was born, she had those eyes. And that was the first moment in my entire life that I felt, wow, someone is seeing me for who I am. Because prior to that, you know, your parents, when they have you, they have expectations of you from the second you're born, before you're born, right? Your school, your friends, your partner, everybody has expectations of what they imagined you to be like, what they, the, you know, the view that they see you through, whereas your baby is fresh, literally seeing you with a fresh pair of eyes. And I think that is a gift that for anyone who has children or anyone who has proximity to, you know, you know, you have nieces or nephews or children in your neighborhood, like that is a gift to be around them. It is. And, and many people, when they're near a child, no matter how, like, you know, (laughs) however they are externally rough and tumble, whatever, they will crouch down and play with a little kid in the (laughs) innocent and honest way. They, they meet a child where that child is because deep down, we all have that recognition of wholeness. We we can all see it. They say there's a meme out there, no matter how old you are, no matter what your status or stage of life is, it is in life. If a kid holds you a banana as a telephone, you're going to answer it. Right. So true. It's so true. And you know, what's been something that's really beautiful for me is coming back to um, our culture and how yoga was like practiced in our homes and in our lineage. Recently, I've been getting into Bollywood dance and I am dancing with, I say kids, but they're like, you know, 10, 15, 20, some of them 20 years younger than me. And I brought my kids to one of the practices and seeing how they interact with my kids, just like you said, getting down to their level and like actually talking to them as humans. This is part of our culture. However, when we go to our Western culture, people are awkward around kids. They're like, I don't know how to talk to kids. I don't know what to say to them. I'm like, because you don't see them as human. If you Mm -hmm. just look at them and see them as a fellow human being, you should not have any trouble talking to them. Maybe you, you don't have to entertain them or sing a song, but just respect them as a fellow human being. And I feel like, you know, that is in all stages, especially when people are, you know, I I don't know how to talk to a a person who's trans or queer or, you know, black or white or, you know, whatever other culture that you're not from, whatever is not the dominant culture. Well, if you just treat them with respect that a human being deserves, you should have no, no problems, right? If you just take the time to actually see them. And I feel like that's what parenting has taught me is, I used to think I was bad with kids, even though I'm actually always, I was the best babysitter and kids always, you know, loved me probably because I, <laughs> I'm a child at heart too, but I was always like, I don't know what to do with them. And then I had kids. And I'm like, I guess you don't really have to do anything with them. You just hang out with them and yeah, let them lead the way. Let them lead the way. That's so wise. That's really well said and very beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you just come down to their level and listen to them and open your heart. They'll take you where they want to go. We tend to think of kids as problems that need to be solved. Much like like puppets. (laughs) Yeah. Things we have to raise into something or turn into something or make them into a thing, like have a job. Like, what do you want to be when you grow? I never ask my kids. I hate that question too. Well, their whole themselves right now, their present moment which is a yoga teaching living in your present moment in this present moment, they are who they are and it's whole and it's enough and it's perfect. We can ask them questions like, okay, what problems do you want to solve? What things interest you? Where, where do you feel like you're flowing and Mm. that things might change of course, but why do we think of our kids as 
something that need as, as little pre-adults, <laughs> why can't they just be who they are in this moment? And we will be, we will have a more joyful relationship with them in the role of parents if we can meet them where they are and see them for their wholeness in this moment. Yes. They are not broken beings in need of fixing, much like we as adults are already whole. We are also not broken beings in need of fixing. So we're not coming to yoga to fix ourselves. Mm. We're whole. We're coming to yoga to build awareness of ourselves wow. and see ourselves as in that whole space. That's why when you leave a yoga class, you feel so good. You've had access to it. It's different mm. than when you stretch after a run. Why is it? It's different because this is a practice, practice of access, of awareness building, of connection, of introspection. All the great teachers of this world say that if you really want to know who and what you are, you have to turn within. Mm. Yoga has been shown to yes. be this external practice yes. of showcasing something, but actually it's an internal practice of the mind. Yes. And I also, I love that it's when you, many people think yoga is self-improvement or um, personal growth and, you know, I want to better myself. Right. People almost feel like this sense of smugness. Oh, I do yoga. And I, when I say people, I don't usually mean people of our culture who practice it because it was never taught to us in that lens. But the yoga industry here, it is very much a hierarchical. People who do yoga are thin and attractive and wealthy and, you know, that type of mindset. So I think it's very common for people to think they're doing yoga to get better. And I think that what you just said is you're not doing yoga to, yes, you will grow personally and, you know, yes. you probably feel better, but you're yes. doing yoga to return to your wholeness and to recognize that you are already whole mm. and, the, and the wisdom that lives within you. And I think that's where, you know, even just the power of solitude and meditation and spending more time by myself actually over the pandemic has been more healing than I thought because I realized, wow, I didn't need to read a thousand books, although I do read and I love reading, but you know, we all often are seeking for answers in everyone else. And right. often it exists within ourselves. If we just yeah. allow ourselves enough distraction-free time to actually hear that. That's very well said. And you're, you're absolutely right. It's a personal journey. It's a personal journey. And the practice of yoga has, will deliver, as you rightfully said, physical benefits, health benefits, many, 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 many benefits to your mind, to your heart, to your body, to your spirit. There's, there's so much power in these practices. But if we're thinking only about yoga for fitness, sure, mm. we'll get those physical benefits. But if we're thinking about yoga to sort of relieve some of our stress and suffering and go within ourselves and lighten the load and clear a little bit of that mental messiness, we'll get those physical benefits and then some. Yes. But the problem is here in the West, all we're thinking about is warrior one and warrior two and like Chaturanga Dandasana and just like all of these strength poses. And we're hyper vigilant when it comes to alignment and muscle squeezing and where our bones are stacked. And I'm telling you, I have never had a student in 15 years who really knows how to line up their bones and their anatomy because they don't, in that moment, you can't think that way. It's, I don't know why there's so many cues about 
anatomical alignment that are <laughs> complex. I've had, I've had teachers tell me, rotate the head of your femur this way. And, oh, like, and I have a degree in science and, and anatomy and physiology. And I have to like pull back from my practice to yeah. really think about that. It's, it's a lot of information that's unnecessary. How about if we just teach students to be peaceful, to take a few deep breaths, to place your foot in your hand where they're supposed to go. But then after that, go within yourself, mm. breathe deeply, soften those muscles, relax your body, cultivate a focal point of your choosing, or I'll offer one to you recite a mantra if you have one or just watch your breath see what happens in that space between the inhale and the exhale mm -hmm. soften deeply into things and then what happens there's it's it's actually like a beautiful magical process but if we're hyper focused only on the physical which has its place okay but if we're hyper focused only on the physical always then we'll just be stuck there and we miss out on the the wholeness of the practice which on a larger sense is very harmful to the culture. It's very harmful to the tradition. It's it very is. harmful to the people. So there and it's not even, it's, it's not even um, something that originated in our practice. It's something that Western culture has slapped on, you know, it right. reminds me of the same thing with acupuncture. So I studied Western medical acupuncture and it was touted as, oh, it's not like traditional Chinese medicine. It's, it's Western. Better. It's better. And so I'm like, literally it's the same points. They just yeah. name it something else because they don't like, you know, uh, energy and key and like chi and like all that other language because it's too um, not based on science in quotes, right? So they just literally use the same points. They copy the same things. And then now they're giving physiological and anatomical reasons for those points. So now we can make sense of it. And now Western, now we accept you know, Western, it. now we accept it. Only if we can somehow in our heads reason with it, even if sometimes it doesn't make sense. So yoga has been the same. A lot of our Eastern cultures, indigenous cultures, African cultures, the practices are taken, co-opted, and then uh, being given a new meaning and even new pronunciations, yes. butchering of meaning. And it is so harmful to the inherent, yes. our cultures, our people. Um, and I love that you you say that because never in my life, even as a physiotherapist, it's the same. People are obsessed about, I had a coworker who would tell people, don't walk like that. Think about lifting your arch up when you walk. I'm like, who has the mental energy to keep Nobody. their arches lifted? And I'm like, it's not actually necessary to do that. The point is to move. Yeah. When I go to pick up my water bottle, I'm not thinking what degrees do my hand expand and how much do I rotate? It just happens. And yoga needs to be the same way, right? It needs to happen. And we need to allow our bodies to recognize, do we like what's happening? Do we mm -hmm. want to, we want to try something else. And that's where we grow. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links, and we'll chat again real soon.